Welcome to the Harvest Center. Harvest Center. The 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 Harvest Center. Welcome to the Harvest Center. We're glad you're here today. Happy Easter, everyone. Uh, it's nice to see you all here. You know, this is the most important day of our calendar, Christian calendar, if you want to like to call it this way. The day when Jesus resurrected. It was the final word, the last chapter of the story that we started looking into last Friday. By the, by the way, all those who were here, we, on Friday night we spoke about how how costly was the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for each one of us but today today we're gonna celebrate together because he has reason amen shall we give a round of applause to our Jesus because he has reason he is among us today he wants to bless our life he wants to touch your life if it is your first time here at the Harvest Center please feel welcome uh, I hope you will feel welcome. You will enjoy the service. I hope that God is going to speak to your life. He's going to touch your life. Because we believe that He has risen for a reason. He's standing at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. And in the meantime, He has sent His Holy Spirit, you know, to work in us, through us, among us. And the Bible says that when two or three are gathered, when you, when you gather in my name, and two or three are gathered in my name, I'm going to be there with you. So we believe that the Holy Spirit is here among us. He wants to do a good things in our life because He loves us. And He wants to touch your life and my life today. Amen. So as we now start and we're just going to, uh, you know, spend some time in worship. I just want to invite you to open your heart today because Christ has risen from the dead because of you because of the love that he had for you he has a good plan a good purpose for your life and i want to invite you i want to invite you today to receive what jesus wants to do for you in your lives so uh, just before i go forward just a couple of prayer points just keep in mind uh, you know when you pray mission trip to uganda coming up on the 19th of june so as we now you know march april is already gone you know in my mind already may june is so i really feel that this mission trip is coming up very quickly uh, so there's a team from the church is going to go in uganda and we just keep them you know uh, let's keep them in our prayers as they're gonna you know go and do the work of god there if you want to know more, if you're new here and you're wondering what Uganda has to do with, uh, with England, we support various projects abroad, um, and Uganda is one of these projects. So if you want to know more information, you, know, you can come and approach us. We will be able to give you all the information on this. Uh, as well, a massive thank you uh, to all the people who came last Sunday to help out with the outreach. And let me tell you that people loved it. You know, we posted something on, 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 uh, on Facebook, and, and just people, you know, they said thank you you know it was a great event and their kids enjoyed it so yeah thank you so much for you know for being available it's like all what we do we do it for the for the lord we do it for god never forget that and the reward that is waiting for us you, we cannot even imagine and quantify uh, what that reward is going to be uh, now of course today is easter and is as i said at the beginning is the most important date of the christian calendar if, he, if Christ would have not resurrected from the dead, 
it would have been pointless for us to be here today. The Christian faith would be pointless without Jesus resurrecting from the dead. And this is something that we posted something on Facebook. We've got so many hundreds of thousands of religions in the world, but we have only one person who actually managed to defeat that, the death itself. And this person is Jesus Christ. And this is why we are here, because Easter, the message of Easter, the resurrection is something that has changed everything. The, the way how we think, imagine, the way how, uh, you know, uh, our life was supposed to, uh, to go. This, the resurrection of Christ, has changed completely everything. But before, you know, going into details why it changed everything, I want to, you know, start by saying this. How many of you, you ever find yourself saying, life is not fair? Is it only me? No, or life, or the situation is not fair, or like, oh, come on. You know, we, we go through these moments where... Uh, you know, we think that situation is getting a bit tough, and, and we come out with these sentences. We usually got different flavor. We say, our life is not fair. The situation is not fair. They've not been fair with me. My friends have not been fair with me. The colleagues have not been fair with me. Oh, nothing is fair to me. And, you know, different flavors. But if we're honest with ourselves, at some point, we all, you know, you know, in our life, we all came up with these words. You know, we were facing a situation, and we thought that we didn't deserve that. We thought that, you know, after all what I've done. Um, and we go and we say, I don't deserve that. And usually when, uh, when you speak to people that are going through this moment where they say, you know, I, life is not fair, for example. When you talk to them, it's like usually the explanation that it gives you, it comes in these in this different words, you know, different flavors. They say, well, you know, I, I, after all, I'm a good person. You know, I always try to be good. I always try to help the poor, to help the needy. And, I, and I, you know, all what I want is a bit of fairness towards me. But instead of receiving anything good, all what I receive is difficulties, problems, you know. And this is maybe not exactly the wording that people use, but it's, you know, different flavors with different uh, structures. The sentence looks pretty much like that. But here, I'm here today because I want to challenge this way of thinking. I want to challenge the, this way of thinking. You know, we, we think that, you know, we are good. You know, I'm too good. You know, I, I, life is not fair. I don't deserve that. I want to challenge this way, uh, with this way of thinking uh, because, you see, if we look at the message of Easter, Easter, actually, the resurrection of Jesus, that's really something that is not fair. And that's why, you know, if, you know there's a graphic coming up. That's what I call it today, a speech. It's like Easter is not fair. And, uh, you know, I'm going to explain a little bit better what I mean by that. Because you might read that sentence, you might think, oh, that's a bit strange as a title for Easter Sunday. Easter is not fair. What do you mean? Easter is beautiful, it's joyful. But, you know, believe it or not, the message of Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, is not fair. And... I'm going to say something more. Praise God, because the resurrection of Jesus, well, the, the message of Easter is not fair to us. Praise God for that. Because, you know, you, you know, it's like, as I said, we think we deserve things, but when it comes from God's perspective, it's like, what do we deserve? Yeah? What, what do we, what, so what, how do you assess in your life? How do you come to the conclusion that you are good and you deserve think, good things? You know, when we go look into the Bible, the Bible speaks about man, the condition of man. And it actually very clearly say, it says that we don't deserve nothing. We don't deserve anything. That really, you know, we are not good enough by any chance to deserve anything good from God on our own. And I just want to read, just to make the point, Isaiah 64 verse 6 is a very known verse. It says, we are all infected and impure with sin. 
When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we, we, um, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Listen to this. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. When we think, this is my righteous deeds. I'm good enough. I've done this. I've given. I've helped. I smile to people. I never acted, you know, in a way that I think is, is not proper. These are all my good deeds, the way we think. But yet, before God, before the perfection of God, all these things are like filthy rags. How strong is the language in the Bible here? But really, God wants to make sure, look, you need to understand that really, you're not, you know, you don't deserve anything. Like you're, there is no goodness in you that you can deserve anything from me. There is no righteousness in your life that you can deserve anything. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. God has some standards. Isn't that, isn't that you know, have you ever thought about that? And somehow, we all fall short of God's glorious standards. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus, when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. And that's the message of Easter, right? People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. Again, everyone has sinned. Everyone means everyone. Nobody's excluded. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. Think about that word. God does not only have standards, but His standards are glorious. Sometimes we think God is like, I don't know, our imagination. But actually God has some glorious standards, whatever that means. The perfection, the level of perfection that we cannot even start to imagine. And, and we all fall short of this. So do we, what do we deserve, really? Can we, what do we deserve with our life if, if, if we all fall short of God's glorious standards? What do we, de- what do we deserve if, if even our best righteous acts that we can ever uh, do in our life, you know, to the eyes of God, are like filthy rag, rags? And this is the message of, of, of grace, really. We receive something different than what we deserve. And this is why Easter is not fair. Because through Easter, through the resurrection of Christ, you're actually receiving something that you don't deserve. Easter is not fair. Because, you know, if it was not for Christ, what we, we, what we would deserve, it was to be lost forever, far away from God, in a place that we call, and the Bible calls hell in different names. But that would have been our destiny. But as we read in Romans, Jesus, you know, his plan was to save us through the, through the person of Jesus. He came, he died, he was resurrected, so that through him, we could actually experience the, you know, the presence of, of God. So the, re- really, the resurrection of Jesus takes away from us what we deserve. And he's, and he's giving us in, a ch- in exchange something that we don't deserve. He takes away the, the penalty of sin. And he gives away grace, love, something that surely we don't deserve because of what we do in our life. He gives us salvation instead of wrath. We were destined to, dra- to wrath. The wrath of God was upon us. But, but he, God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross. He resurrected Him so that through Him, you know, He could give us in exchange something that we don't deserve, but it was good for us. Um, 
Jesus, he didn't, he didn't get what he deserved. If, if there was one person ever existed on earth that really deserved something good from God, that was the person, Godfather, that was the person of Jesus. He was the son of God, the king of kings. He lived a perfect life, never seen, never messed up. Always blessed people, always helped people. Sin was not present in, in his life. He was a good king, the king of kings. And yet, he didn't get what really, what really what he deserved. You think about, you know, you think about king, and a king has a golden crown in his head. But we know what Jesus had instead. We, he had a crown of thorns. A, a good king, you know, sits on the throne. In the throne room. Have you ever seen this movie? It's a throne room, massive thrones, bigger the thrones, bigger the king. But yet Jesus didn't sit on the throne. He was hanging on a cross. A good, a good king surely should be surrounded by servants. But yet, you know, Jesus, when he gave his life on the cross, he was surrounded by thieves. So really, he was the good king, that he deserved something. And yet he decided to leave all these things because his mission was to save us. Jesus deserved a king deserved an honorable death. A good, a good king, you know, again, you know, is, if you go back in history and you see when the kings were important and famous, you know, when there was a funeral, there was a massive things happening in different cultures with different flavors, but it was always a massive event. But yet Jesus didn't get a good, an honorable death. But he got a death that was very shameful. He died on the cross for us. And, and you know, on Friday night, we went through all these, the steps that Christ had to go through. Surely all the things that he had to go through was not fair to him. But yet, because he loved us, he decided, you know what? I'm going to go through this so that you can deserve today what, so that you can receive today what you don't deserve. The message, the message of Easter isn't fair. Jesus died on the cross, and I just, you know, brought a few pointers here. You know, we spoke very in depth on Friday night, so I'm not going to say much about this. But I just want to, uh, you know, say a few things about the cross. It was the, the worst, uh, you know, when you, when you had to die, if, when they were telling you you're going to go end up on the cross, that was the worst things that could have happened to you. Uh, when it was under the Roman, Roman sorry, a ruling uh, system, the, de the death on the cross was something that was reserved to the most dangerous, the most dis despicable uh, criminals. It was, it, was, it was terrible. You know, there was, and there was a process leading up to the cross. And, and, and Christ went through this, this, uh, this, um, uh, this process. He, they were like, he was whipped with, uh, with his whip. It was like it was made with, uh, with metal bit and glasses. You know, this is actually, if you Google it, Romans whip, how they were doing it for prisoners, you know, who were going to die. They were, it was something terrible. It was, you know, they were, they were, and they would hit you so strong that literally the flesh would come off the back of the person because of these sharp metals and glass. So they would rip apart the flesh. So you can even imagine, you can imagine, you can have an idea of how pay, painful that was. The loss of blood, the state of shock that Christ had to go through. And, I, and, and then he was stripped naked and he was put in a cross. And maybe this is not something that is like... Is, is a, like, it's not so important for us, right? You know, we live in a world where people go around naked, so it's not a big deal. Uh, but actually, in that culture, it was something extremely shameful. Extremely shameful. And Jesus was stripped naked. It was just, he had uh, like something to cover his privates. But still, there was like a shameful, shameful death. There was no honor when he was hanging on the cross. The Son of God, the King of Kings. 
The one who deserved only good things, and yet, after being, he was beaten, and, and after he was whipped in his back, and, and, and blood was going everywhere, he was, you know, street naked and was hanging in a cross, he was nailed on the cross, seven inches, uh, you know, the length of the nails, and usually on the cross, you know, the goal in the, you know, of the cross was to cause a slow death. He would actually die by asphyxiation uh, most of the times. It was because, well, you know, sorry for the descriptions, but when you were hanging on the cross, you know, all your weight was on your chest. And you couldn't breathe properly. And the only way for you, if you wanted to breathe, was to push on your feet. So that you could, you know, release your chest and start breathing properly. But the, uh, properly. But the problem is, of course, there were nails in, it, in, his, in, the, in the feet of the people. So it was very painful. They couldn't do this move. So they would slowly and in pain, you know, either die because of the blood loss or because they couldn't breathe anymore. And in fact, when the Romans were actually moved to compassion, what they would do, they would go and break the legs of the people who were hanging on the cross. Because by doing that... With the broken legs, they couldn't lift themselves up anymore, and, and, and death was quickened a little bit. You know, that was not the case of Jesus, but this is, you know, what they, they used to do. So cross, the cross of Jesus was something painful. The cross of Jesus was something shameful because he wanted to give something to you and me that we didn't deserve in the first place. Easter is not fair, right? Thank God for that, in a sense, you know, because we are saved through a message that is not fair. And then we know the story. In, uh, in, uh, uh, sorry, actually, before we carry on, dying on the cross, there was, also we spoke of this about, about this on Friday, there was the spiritual element. It was not just the physical, it was not just the, the shame, so the mental you know, stress, but there was a spiritual element because God, Jesus was separated from his Father. Plus as well, according to God's law in the Old Testament, the person who was hanging on the pole or the cross, it was, a, it was like someone who was cursed. Galatians 3, chapter 3, verse 13, that was quoting from Deuteronomy 21-23, we read the following. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. So you see that when Christ died on the cross, it was the physical pain, it was the mental pain, emotional pain, the shame, but as well, there was the spiritual pain, separated from God taking the curse of sin upon himself. So you think that life is not fair to you. So you think, next time when you, when you say, oh, life is not fair to me, I haven't done anything wrong. I want to invite you to think about the person of Jesus. Because if life is not fair to you and me, how about Jesus? What would Jesus have to say? Yet he endured everything because he loved us. And then we left here on Friday. But then we know that, of course, after three days, something miraculous happened. The resurrection of Jesus. And I already said a number of times that the resurrection of Jesus is the most important thing that we have as Christians. If the resurrection of Jesus wasn't there, then our faith would be pointless. And maybe you don't know the Bible very well. You think, well, these are a bit of strong words. But actually, these words come from the Bible. And I just want to read them to you. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, chapter 15, verse 14, Paul writes, And if Christ has not, be, has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So this is the Bible. You know, if Christ was not risen, why am I speaking here today? What's the point of your faith? It would be 
something just like anybody, anything else that you can come across in life. But what makes Christianity unique, what makes the person of Jesus unique, that he actually, you know, he came back, he was resurrected from, from the dead. He died so that we could live. In Romans 3, verses 23 to 25, 25 again he says, For everyone has seen, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, what we read before, and I'm going to read again. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life shedding his blood do you believe in jesus today do you believe in what he has done on the cross because you see that's for you is that, you know if you want to really to make this resurrection if you want really to make the easter message something relevant in your life the way the only way for you to do that is to believe in the person of jesus and what he has done on the cross that he has died for you for your sins and therefore because of him you are forgiven Because of what Christ has done, the guilt and the wrath of God that was upon your life has been taken away. And was put upon himself. And, and, and you know, you, you keep on looking at the picture of Jesus, you know, dying on the cross. And there are so many details that we, could, we can go through. And I don't know if you ever paid attention to that. That there were three people actually on the Golgotha. It was Jesus and there were two other men next to him in two other crosses. The two thieves. And, um, and I want to just say a few words here. Um, because you see, numbers are very significant in the Bible. And, uh, for example, you know, I brought a few down so you can have an idea where, where I'm going. There is um, number one in the Bible. There's actually all a, uh, you know, a subject. You know, when you study theology, you can actually study the Bible numerology. Um, number one is the number of unity. God is represented in unity between, you know, the God, the Father, the Son, you know, the person of God, unique. It cannot, number one, it cannot be divided. You know that, mathematically. It, cannot, it can only be divided by itself. Um, the allness of God. Number four, for example, it represents the earth. Uh, the creation week, and uh, the fourth day, all the earth was created, you know, and then, you know, we start with life. Um, and the universe was created. Number seven is the number of perfection. Number six is the weakness, uh, represent man, the weakness of man, the evilness of man. Man was created in the sixth day. Number eight represents new beginning. Number, number 40, for example, represents testing and trials. We've got 40 years in the wilderness, the people of Israel. We've got 40 days in the desert um, uh, when Jesus was, was tempted. And, of course, in the Old Testament, the, the, the flood, you know, Noah's, it was raining for 40 days. But and then we go to number three. And I want to stop here a little bit because there were three people on that Golgotha. Three is the number of wholeness. is the number of completion. And uh, so when you, when you look at Golgotha, there was, there was the complete picture of the, of the relationship between God and man, what he had done for humanity, and what people do with what he has done for humanity, the different choices they can make. It was the complete message. But before you know, going into that, I just want to, you know, very quickly again, going through a list here. Um, you know, you know, Google is wonderful. You can just, you know, write number three in the Bible and bam, comes up with the list. You maybe never done it yourself. I'm going to give you some details here. Number three in the Bible. Remember, number of, com of complete, completion, oldness. And now we go with the number three in the Bible. God is the Trinity, three in one. God, God uh, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Man, we are triune in nature, we've got body, soul, and spirit. Uh, God's nature is made of three main elements. He is omnipresent, you know, presence everywhere, Om omniscient, you know, all-knowing God, and omnipotent, all-powerful God. Revelation 1.8, God says of himself that he is the God who was, who is, and who is to come. God's grace was manifest, is manifested through justification, sanctification, and then one day will be glorified, you know, with God in heaven. Old, uh, Old Testament, the number three in the Old Testament, there were th uh, three uh, uh, patriarchs or fathers of the faith, Old Testament, um, Hebrew people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The tabernacle, there were three sections, outer court, inner court, and the holy of holies. The angels cried out to God three times, holy, holy, holy. Daniel prayed three times a day. Jonah was in the valley of the whale for three days. New Testament, it's 27 books, about, which is, by the way, three multiplied by three, multiplied by three is 27. Uh, the Apostle Paul was blinded for three days when he had the encounter with Jesus on, on his way to Damascus. Paul prayed three times for, for his thorns to be removed from his flesh. And, and, and on his journey to Rome, Paul was, was uh, stranded on, the, on Malta Island for three months after being shipwrecked. About the person of Jesus, at his birth, he was visited by the wise man who brought three, three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When he was 12 years old, he was separated from, from his parents for three days. His public, his public ministry lasted for three years, started when he was 30, ended up when he was 33. Jesus was tempted three times by Satan in the desert. There were 12 disciples, but actually three of them were part of the inner circle um, of, of Jesus. And it was Peter, James, and John. There were those who were present at the transfiguration, for example. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus predicted Peter that he would have denied him three times. Three times Jesus told Peter, you're going to betray me, you're going to betray me, you're going to betray me for three times. And guess what? This is exactly uh, what happened. Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus expressed love and grace by asking Simon Peter if he loved him. Do you love me? Do you remember when he was asking to Simon Peter? He asked him three times. God spoke audibly to Jesus three times when Jesus was baptized at the transfiguration and before his crucifixion in John 12. Jesus was raised, um, sorry, Jesus raised three people from the dead that we know in the Bible. Uh, there is Lazarus, the widow's son, and, J and Jairus' daughter. And then we come, we come to Jesus in the cross. Uh, Jesus prayed three times in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane before dying on the cross. And then tradition, this is not Bible, the Bible, but this tradition says that while he was carrying the cross to the, to the mountain of Golgotha, he actually fell three times while carrying his cross. The sign that he had above his head was king of the Jews, was written in three languages, it was Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Was, um, was one of the three men who actually hung on the cross. We said, Jesus, you were only three people on the Golgotha. And then he was uh, placed on the cross. And at the third hour, actually, on the third hour of the day, and at the ninth hour, which would be the 3 p.m. in the Western kind of system, you know, declared the three words of victory, it is finished. The earth trembled, darkness fell on the land for three hours. The, word, uh, the world waited, day one, nothing happened, day two, nothing happened, day three, of course, something wonderful happened. The stone, all over, the stone, the stone was rolled away, rolled away, and Jesus came back to life. So you see, three times, three, three, three. In the Bible, is the, and there is more, by the way, you know, I've just taken a few, a number of completion, of wholeness. And on the Golgotha, there were three people there. 
And there was like, there was Jesus. You remember how the story was going? There was Jesus there dying for them. And there were two thieves next to him. We don't know why, the reason why they were, they were there. You know, for sure they were guilty of something terrible. Otherwise they wouldn't be there. And one of them, it was actually mocking Jesus. So saying, you know, come on, if you are the son of God, you know, do something here. You know, you can do like that. And he could if he wanted to. Just, you know, bring us down from this cross. But then there was the other man who actually said, you know, he, he had a different approach. So in Luke 20, 23, verse 39, we said, we read that one of these two criminals who hung, who hung there, hurled insult at him, are into the Messiah, save yourself and us. And this is to represent, if you want, you know, uh, you know the, the, the pride of man. The, the aspect of man where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if to say that it could be a bit controversial, but it was like, you know, I came across because Easter, then the people who don't like Christian, they make a lot of comments, you know. And let's say they were just so full of pride if Christ had raised from the dead. You know, you see, they were speaking, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to say that. It could be controversial. But anyway, it's like, um, you know, people are, are, are like, you know, th that prideful attitude. Oh, that's not Christ. You know, if Christ was raised from the dead, you know, he, you, know he's, he, you know, come on, you know, come out from the cross, do something here. And, and this is exactly the attitude of people. You know, Jesus, if you are there, why don't you solve this? Oh, Jesus, why are, if you are there, why, you know, the world is in this place? Jesus, if you are there, is Jesus' fault for everything? You know, there is that pride coming out. If I was God, I would do better. If I was you, if I could do anything, I would do this and this and change that and that. The pride, you know, prideful attitude that what it does is just pulls, pulls away people from God. Yeah? But then there was the other man who was hanging on the cross in kind of in Luke 23, 14, 42. This is what he said. But the other criminal rebuked him to the other guy. And he said, don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. Then he said, Jesus, remember him when you come to your kingdom. So the other man was actually the understanding. Look, we are here because we deserve that. Come on, let's not pretend that we are good, that we, that we are good, that we've been unjustly accused. You know, you know the reason why you're hanging on the cross. How do you even dare speaking like this to the, to the, to, you know, to the Son of God? And this is, you know, the humble heart. As well, it's actually people that, you know, and I hope that you will come to an understanding that you understand that, you know, you, you don't deserve anything as such. The Christ has done everything for us. Anything, everything comes from, you know, from God. And it's for God because of, his, you know, of the love that he has for you. But you need to have that understanding first that, you know, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve anything. Lord, I need you in my life. So do not have a, pride, a prideful heart, but have a humble heart. If you want to seek God with all your heart, have a humble heart. And then, of course, it was Jesus to complete the picture in verse 20, uh, 43 of always the same chapter, Luke 23. And Jesus answered to him, to the humble man, remember when he said, will you please just remember me when you get into, your, in, into the kingdom, into heaven? And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And you see the grace of God, the answers to a humble heart. So when we look at the, at the Golgotha, when we look at the three people dying on the cross, it was the Son of God who was dying for the sin of the world. And then it was the, proud, the prideful thief that, you know, according to him, that everything was, you know, was due to him. Everything was uh, granted, had to be granted for him for whatever reason. And he was challenging Jesus to just do something about this situation. And then you had the other one who actually had a humble heart. And he said, come on, shut up. We are here because, you know, we deserve that. And he it was like humbling himself. I deserve that. 
When is the last time that instead of, of saying, you know, I don't deserve this from life, maybe you said, you know what, God, I just need you in my life. Maybe after all, I deserve this. Because even if, even if you're honest with ourselves, you know, a lot of things in life that we go through is we, we face certain things because of habits that we have. It's like, it's like the, the man who spent his life or the woman smoking cigarettes and then gets cancer in his lungs. He said, oh, life is not fair. Why I cannot be that person? Really? Oh God, would you do something? Would you, would you heal me? Heal my, heal my lungs? Really? You know, sometimes we find ourselves in situation because we, we fabricate the situation around us. So we need to have the humbleness of saying, look, after all, maybe I deserve this, but God, have mercy on me. The humble heart. And then there is the answer of God. You know, the, as I say, completes the picture. Yes, I will remember you. You will be with me in paradise today. You see, this, this, all what Jesus displayed there was just grace. Easter is not fair. I mean, that, was, that man spent his life as a criminal. He was about to die. He didn't have time to prove anything to Jesus. He didn't have time to go to church. He didn't have time to serve God. He didn't have time to change his life and to, and to kind of show like, you know, I'm, I'm following you. He was there about to die. But just because his heart was humble and he was calling on God in the last hour of his life, then Jesus said, you know what? You are going to come with me. Because you know what? Easter is not fair. Yes, it's true. You deserve to be there. And you know that. Because he said, we deserve to be here. You deserve to be there because you've done that in your life. But because I love you and because of what I'm, I'm, I'm doing here right now for you, dying on the cross, you will be with me in paradise today. And you see, like, if you come back, come back in the graphic, the, you know, I, I've done a small cross in yellow. Because that, I, I hope, is, is going to be you there today. Or, or so, you know, some of us here to say, you know, the small cross in yellow saying like, I want to be the humble one. I want to be the one who accepts the unfairness of the, of the Easter message. They recognize, you know, to, that we humble ourselves before God. And we, say, and we say, you know, we need you. Yes, you know, perhaps I haven't lived the best life. I've done my mistakes and I'm paying the consequence of, of certain things. And I understand, you know, I, I, I deserve some of these things. But Lord, would you have mercy of me? And, and I can tell you that if you're going to cry out to the Lord, even at the last hour, you know, God is going to say yes. I'm going to help you. I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to intervene in your life. I'm going to walk with you and, and, and through you and for you. And usually the test of faith comes because, you know, sometimes when people think that, okay, I believe in Jesus, and then suddenly everything, all, everything is sorted. No, sometimes we have to deal with consequences of action that we've done in the past in our life. But God is going to be with us. He's going to carry through us. But that's the test of faith because, you know, people, when you approach God by saying, oh, I'm a, if I'm a Christian, everything has to be happy, crappy, it doesn't work this way. There are things in life because we live in a sinful world, our flesh is sinful, you know, we still deal with certain things in life. But God in Christ is going to be with you, is going to work in you and through you in your life. And you may think, well, where is the justice? Where is the justice? This man who was hanging on the cross, on the yellow cross, he deserved that. He was a thief. He should have died. But if you use the measure, then so you. If you use that, because, you know, we're not speaking about your standard here. We're speaking about God's standard. And as we said until now, according to God's standard, even your best righteous act, act in your, uh, you've done in your life is like a filter act. You cannot keep up 
not by chance to God's glorious standard. So don't be the person who said, you know, oh, this is not fair. You know, we always say, it's not fair. When, when we see something getting something good, and oh, why, why did he get that? He should get something terrible. Don't remember the, the grace that we receive in Christ as well. Has taken away something from us that was terrible and replaced it with something good. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 5 and 8 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to, to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, who is Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the craving of our flesh and following its desire and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of His grace, of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And then to verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, maybe you feel guilty a bit. You feel like you're struggling. Because you got to that place where you're saying, yeah, I deserve that. And you feel a bit down. You feel a bit sad. But what I want to invite you to do today is like, Wherever you are, be like the humble man on that cross. Say, yeah, I recognize my situation. Perhaps I've got, I've got something to do with it. But Lord, would you give me a second chance? Will you remember of me? Because remember, Easter is not fair. You're not, God is not going to give you. When you believe in him, he's not going to give you what you deserve. But he's going to make you alive. He will make you alive in him why don't we all stand and we just you know uh, close the service you see we are not here because we are good we are here because he is good and thank god because god you know god has, thank god thank, thank god because he's not fair with us thank god for that he's not fair with us he's not giving us what we deserve but he's giving, he's giving us something much, much better. And through the resurrection of Jesus that we are remembering today, we know that we have the victory in him. We know that we can actually take something that, yes, we don't deserve, that, but our always love for us. He, he was delight, full of delight in, in giving this gift to us. We just read in, in Ephesians, a gift, that comes from God. It's not by works. No, nobody can boast about this. It's a gift straight from the hand of God. His son who came, he died on the cross. He was resurrected for us. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. The psalm, the last scripture I want to read, Psalm 103, verse 10 to 12. I just want to close your eyes. While you stand and while I read these words. And these words are for you today, for you and me. 
He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as, as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, we praise your name. Jesus, we worship you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to invite you, if you are resisting the work of God, as you're listening to this, allow God, allow God to enter your life. Just, you know, just like the man on the cross. Recognize where you are and cry out to him. The response that he will have is love, just like Christ. Responded with love to this humble man who humbled himself, you know, even in the last hour of his life. Notice that Jesus didn't even say a word to the proud man. He didn't say, come on, what are you saying? He didn't say a word, but he answered to the humble heart. So if you want to hear from God, if you want to experience God in your life, you need to humble yourself. You need to humble your life. You need to cry out to the Lord. You need to accept what He has done for you. This is the only way, if you want to have an answer from God, this is the only way that you need to take. And God will answer. God will love you. God will come in your life. He will start changing your life. He will start changing the situations around you. He's, he's going to start, you know, helping you as you go through the situations. But he needs to see a humble heart. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God. I want to humble myself before you, Lord, today. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you because when you came to die on the cross for me, it costed you so much. We thank, I thank you because you are not giving me what I deserve, but you are giving me something wonderful in exchange. And I thank you because what you are giving me is not because of anything good that I have made, but it's a gift that comes from you. I thank you, Lord God. I praise you. I thank you because, you know, when you died in the cross for us, you had each one of us in your mind. We thank you, Lord, because when you came back to life after three days, you know, we can stand today and, and, and we can say, yes, we won the world. You see, there is no any other battles that needs to be fought. Everything is over. Everything is finished. Christ has won everything. And now it's just up to you. You know, he died for us. All what he could do for us has been already done. Everything has been done. Everything has been prepared. There is nothing else. If you're expecting Christ to do something else to save your life, He is not going to do anything else. He has already died on the cross for you. But then you have a choice today. You know which one of the two you want to be. You want to be the prideful thief who said, you know, you know I want to see something more. Do something about this. If you are the Son of God, or you want to be the other one who said, you know what? doesn't matter. Even if I'm dying, even if I'm going through the most painful moment in my life, you know, he humbled himself. He said, would you remember me? 
He said, this is the Son of God. He recognized that he was the Son of God, a sign that he believed in God. So which one of the two you want to be? Which one of the two you want to be? Hallelujah. You know, I want to be the, the humble one. Because you know, even as Christians, as we go in our everyday life, it is important that we humble ourselves always before Him. That somehow we manage to pack away our pride and just humbly follow Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. You are the risen King. Hallelujah. You were treated as a criminal so that we could be treated as kings by you. Oh, what a love for us. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, God.